In every generation, there are the chosen ones, the fanboys, the observers, the keepers of useless trivia. They alone must stand against the forces of television drama tropes. They are continuous play. It's about power. Who's got it? Who knows how to use it? What do you guys want to do tomorrow? Nothing strange. Well, mini golf is always the first thing that comes to mind. I think you can do better than that. I was thinking about shopping, as per usual. Oh, there's an okay. R&B in the new mall. I can use a few items. I'll leave the discussions. Save the world, go to the mall. I'm having a wicked shoe craving. Aren't you on the patch? Those never work. And here I am, invisible to the eye. See, I need a new look. It's this whole eye patch thing. Yeah, it's definitely doomed. Welcome to Continuous Plays, The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective featuring Brian Thomas. But I'm known you were coming and baked the cake. And Jay Newcastle. Are you ready to finish this? Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And we're here to talk about Season 7, Episode 19, Empty Places, written by Drew Greenberg. While Xander recovers at the hospital from having his eye gouged out, Buffy has to deal with the emotional fallout of having dragged her friends and the potentials into uh, what turned out to be an ambush. Meanwhile, the citizens of Sunnydale stage a mass exodus from their apocalypse-plagued town, finally tired of all the doom and gloom. Stopping by the deserted high school to pick up her things, Buffy again encounters Caleb, and once more he proves he's stronger than the Slayer, though she picks up some valuable information from him in spite of the beating. Meanwhile, Spike and Andrew gather additional intelligence when Giles sends them to the site of one of Caleb's earlier atrocities. Faith takes the potentials to the bronze to blow off some steam, but things turn ugly when the cops arrive looking for the fugitive Slayer. Later, after a huge strategy session at the house, Buffy tries to convince the others that it's imperative to stage another a siege on Caleb's winery hideout. She gets shot down, not just by the beleaguered potentials, but by Xander, Anya, Willow, Principal Wood, and even Dawn. And despite her protest, there's no democracy during wartime. Buffy is dispatched as leader, told to leave the house, and Faith is thrust into the unlikely role of replacement leader. And that is the episode summary for... Number 19, Brian, Empty Places. And we were talking off air about it a little bit. I knew this happened. I remembered this happening somewhere in Season 7, but I thought it was later. And I know we're like at the end here, really, but I thought this was maybe an episode or two later. I couldn't remember how far back they went before they kicked Buffy out of the house. But this is it right here. I mean, you know, drastic move here by the gang. It's a very drastic move and kind of a surprising one. I mean... Let's face it, Jay, we've been with Buffy now for six years, and she saved us from the apocalypse how many times? Yeah. <laughs> and they have absolutely no faith in her right now. And the faith is basically because she got, you know, all of them got their tail whipped by Caleb in the winery before, and she wanted to go back. And I understand their hesitance to do so, but to actually throw her out of the house as leader? Wow, that's kind of deep. And we can get into it as we get to that part of the plot, but definitely something we want to talk about. But let's talk a little bit about that idea of leadership in time of crisis. You know, Buffy has undergone a lot of transformation this season. We've talked a little bit about it here on the show and stuff, but she is much more in a combination of the old Buffy and what Giles used to be on the show to me. Like she seems to always 
have a plan, have a level head, and she seems to be able to regroup from failure better than ever before. Is is that just me, or do you see that too? Well, I I think that I see that she wants to have a plan, and but doesn't really think it through half the time. So even if she has a plan, it's not always the best plan, and she hasn't really thought it through. So I, I agree that she's kind of taken over Giles' role as kind of the leader of the group, per se, and all that kind of stuff, and the one who comes up with the plans. However, this is a case in point where she just doesn't really think it out over or really has a bad time maybe even communicating the plan to the other people in a way that they'll understand what she's thinking. They're all thinking that she's rushing into this this whole bit to go back, and she doesn't really take the time to explain why she thinks so. She just tells them to trust her, and that's not always a good strategy. Well, it's not the strategy they want to hear. And I think the thing that I reacted to so much in this episode, watching it this for this review, was how much the core four are influenced by the rest of the group. You know, Kennedy, uh, a couple of the other potentials that are just, I mean, extremely unforgiving and harsh about what happened. You know, and I see it turn Xander and... Willow and Giles, who seems like he's half cocked against Buffy anyway, totally against her. And then you have Wood piling on, and then Faith's not really piling on as much as she's just like, "Hey, let's just you know pump the brakes here a minute." And then you get Dawn's whole betrayal in there too. And I think you're right that Buffy does go off, take very little information sometimes, and just run with it. But unlike before. She's learning from that because in the process of that beating from Caleb, she starts to realize something that what is it about, you know, if the great evil thing is the hell mouth, then why aren't they protecting it? You know, that that tells her that the, the winery is there's something key there. We need to go back. That's the stage. She's actually, you know, got a decent instinct for that. Like I see her processing that, but like you said, she doesn't know how to communicate that real well. And I think part of that is she's got these people nipping at her that normally aren't there. I mean, instead of it being, let's convince four people to do things that are a little bit crazy with me, she's now got to convince like 20. And that's really the first time in this rewatch of it. I have felt the weight of the cast, you know, that now it has become so big that I'm like, wow, now that is really where this is starting to weigh in on me. Yeah, and I think that to the point where her friends are starting to kind of turn or be influenced by other people, I think it's less to do with that, per se, as it is all the things that she's made them do against better judgment. Xander's lost an eye in a battle that they couldn't win, and he could have easily been killed because Buffy decided to just go in without a solid, strong strategy. Uh, Willow has been forced to use very dark magics and almost killed Anya and her girlfriend while doing them to protect Buffy and do other things that she's not ready to do. So I can understand those two having second guesses or doubts here. As far as Giles and Principal Wood, they have been second guessing her choice with Spike this whole time, so that's understandable. They're using that. So yeah, really it's not the fact that the others are influencing them, it's that Buffy's losing, they're losing faith in Buffy's decision making. And it's because everything that could have gone wrong last time did. People died, Xander got, you know, gravely injured, 
and it, it was because Buffy's plan was full. Because well, we even talked about it on that episode that how many times does Buffy fall for this when she doesn't realize that she's playing right into the evil thing's hand, you know, and she did it again. And so now that, you know, they're all there going, Hey, whatever. But like I said, there's just so many more voices in opposition than there were before, you know, like there would be, there've been many times when Buffy has you know said things to people like, you know, I'm, I understand why the Slayer, there's no prophecy about the Slayer and her friends. You know, and stuff like that. And so I think it is the the weight of that there's so many people against her this time. And sometimes that's what it takes for change. You need new people from the outside to go, look, yeah, I know you've saved everybody's life a billion times and all that stuff, but you just got our butt kicked for stupid reasons and we need to you know, think about this a little bit. So I don't know. It's It's interesting. The funny thing to me is that I don't, I didn't really get a sense that Faith had, bonded much with this group so why they would prefer her over buffy would be is it just the fact that she's not buffy is that it It, it's a fact that she's a slayer and not buffy that's the only reason i think um she's there also all the the whole time she's not out like buffy every time looking for things or hunting or whatever um so i think that that might be one of the reasons why they chose her as well but i think the main reason is, is that she's a slayer which they need and she's not Buffy. So she's kind of, by default, the next person in line. I think that the point is, is that, you know, she wanted to go back and they said no. They were right. Cause remember, Caleb and the first are talking and he basically says that any minute now she's going to march to those troops back in here and we'll finish them for good. So he's expecting her to show up again with everybody. And so they are kind of smart to say, no, we're not going. And and that really foils his plan as well as Buffy's. So, yeah. Let's talk about the little side adventure that Spike and Andrew get sent on by Giles here. Um, First off, you know, they're still forcing Andrew in, but I did find the whole somebody ate my hot pockets and I need, you know, something to be done about it bit that just got carried on for about five minutes. I did think that was funny. Like, I enjoyed that a little bit this time. And I, the fact that Giles sends him off with Spike <laughs> because, you know, well, I don't, you know, you're, you're just whatever, you're in the way, but you know things about demons. Yeah, sure. But it's more just to get him out of the house. You know, like, okay, we're, we're done right. with this. But I like that idea that he actually sends Spike off on a real mission. Now, you know, of course, Buffy later will come back and be like, why do you always, you know, try to get rid of the one person who's, you know, covering my back and stuff like that. She doesn't trust it at all, but it is legitimate this time. And he's got a good reason. Like, well, I need to send somebody out. I know that can take care of themselves and I can't spare both slayers. So Spike, you go. And I like what he and Spike uncover. Um, even the whole little goofy conversation about the blooming onion on the motorcycle was, was cute. But then I love the <laughs> fact that they find the, you know, the secret layer that can only be opened by her or whatever. I don't know. That it was just nice little mystery there. Yeah. I think it was kind of interesting. They were looking through a bunch of, uh, what it looked like, uh, police files. Is that what we were looking at on Caleb that they got from the, the, uh, police that, Another funny scene during the mass exodus, all these people are leaving and Willow uses mind control or she's or a freaking Jedi. Let's convi- just say it. Right. Jedi mind she's convincing yeah. this, this, uh, she's trying to convince this detective that they're FBI and they need access to the files and she eventually does. And so they get all these police files on Caleb 
And that's there as they're looking through these files, they notice something very tiny uh, in a window or is it a door frame at, at a church and they magnify it and find that it's an interesting looking symbol and they start looking at the other crime scenes and seeing the same pattern and thus that's why uh Giles sends Spike and uh Andrew and like you said Andrew really to get him out of the house and because you know if he dies they don't really care true true no, I, <laughs> that's that's a lot to do with yeah. it and so they send him on this quest mm-hmm. and they do find quite a lot of interesting stuff and I thought it was Rather, fa- I thought it was rather fascinating that the pr- the priest was there, and he thought that they were coming for him. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess, yeah. you know, he's the last time he encountered strange people from the door, it was Caleb, and he slaughtered his whole convent and stuff. I, I like that whole bit too. That Willow's like we're from Interpol, you know, and that's that explains everything. And I'm like, well, the the cops in Sunnydale are even dumber than we've ever thought. So, and uh, anyway, th- I, I thought that was cute too. But I was more intrigued by the well, what in the heck's behind the stone door? And on the flip side of that, when we see Caleb talking with the first in the form of Buffy, they've got the bringers like welding and cutting through stuff or whatever. And I'm wondering, are they trying to cut through from the other side? Is that what we're, you know, being led to believe here? And what are they getting at? I, I'm always cool when they tease the, you know, thing at the box, the bottom of the box of Lucky Charms on these kind of shows. So <laughs> I, I was down for it. I thought that was neat. And I, I, I'll say this. I thought Andrew and Spike had some good comedy together. Like they were, they were oh, really yeah. good, and yeah. and I don't, I don't like the Andrew character or whatever. But I'll say this: the writing for Spike has goes up tremendously these you know next few episodes, and this one starts it. Like he, he's much more fun. It's much more like some of the old Spike in a lot of ways. It is. I agree with you. I think the writing for Spike has gone up a huge amount, and you're right. Andrew and him on that whole trip on the motorbike uh, are having very hilarious conversations. Uh, you know, just. Great stuff. So I agree with you. That was fun stuff. Uh, and even in the in the church itself, they're having a, a good time with each other, and it's funny stuff. Um, I like the the back room that the I guess the monk, not a priest, shows them. Um, no, no, he's a he's their, a priest. He's wearing a white collar. You're right. He's a priest. Well, they they bring him to bring them to the back. Now, why he trusts them, I don't know quite yet. <laughs> but he, he he's pretty quick to trust them i guess maybe because they didn't try to i was kill gonna say him. they didn't kill him like they just defended themselves from and they like, were like hey slow down right yeah and they were asking about caleb so that probably made him feel a little more comfortable that they knew who he was and and whatnot so he takes it to that little back room that he had found and and like you said there's a ancient writing on the wall and of course spike being spike is able to read it yes <laughs> well you know he's been around a while so he's got time I, I give that as a conceit. I mean, look, Angel does that all the time too. And these, you know, the old vampires, they, I, you know, we have to give the fact that they're well read knowledge. That's funny to me for Spike. Cause I'm like, you know, Angel picked up a lot of his knowledge from being a tortured vampire and like spending time reading during the day when he wasn't, you know, trying to make out with yeah. Buffy. All Spike ever did was get drunk and watch Passion. So I, you know, I don't know when he had time to pick up Latin, but uh, apparently he did. So whatever, I give it, I give it the conceit because I'm like, what are they going to do? Take a picture of it and take it back to somebody? Well, it would have yeah, actually, sure can I tell you, it would have actually been cooler if Andrew was the one that was like, oh no, that actually says incorrect to him on it, you know? Because then it would have been, oh, Andrew, yeah. useful. But you know, even the writers know no one would believe that. Yeah, I'm not sure it was Latin, because if it was Latin, the priest should know damn well how to read it. But 
that that said, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a kind of a cool little thing. They they learn what that it is not for thee, but for her to wield only. That's kind of a cryptic thing, but now they know that maybe Buffy's looking for some type of weapon that can kill Caleb, or that Caleb really wants to get, or or that there so, is something that he is definitely hiding there, like that she was yeah. afraid that she suspected, and that. She was right. We, the, the, there's something yeah. going on at the winery, and it's behind this door, and it's Buffy's thing to come get it. Well, let's talk about that final thing, the, the, the showdown that happens where Buffy gets replaced and stuff. The way that mm-hmm. it goes down, and the fact that Dawn is the one that's like, then you know, you you can't stay here. You know, you've got to go. And I, I I'm I'm sitting here going like, you know, you and I have defended Dawn, the Dawn character so much, and so many of our listeners still don't like her, and I'm like, Dawn, you just you just break my heart, dear. All that we've done for you, and then you go and do this. You know, and I but I love the way she played it though. I'll say that again. I thought that was a really dark, deep moment, um, for Michelle Trachtenberg. She really dug up some nasty feelings to be able to pull that real strong emotion off. I, I, I was moved by it. I won't mind saying. Well, I think it was the right person too to do it. I mean, if you would have had someone else do it, it wouldn't have been as powerful, uh, to see. I mean, well, and who else could say it? It is her house. Well, absolutely. I agree. Although I would assume that someone was paying the bills for Buffy while she was dead. So maybe they have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Joyce's life insurance was awesome. We don't know these things. So (laughs) this is true. This is true. But, uh, either way, I, I thought it was very powerful scene between her and Buffy and really sent it home for Buffy that everybody has to be on the same page and you are, you're the only one who's not. And, because of that, you need to leave. If you're not going to get on the same page as us, you need to leave. And Don delivering that was very powerful. The only one, I think, who could have delivered it with more or close to Don's power would have been Xander. Otherwise, I don't think I don't think it would have been as meaningful coming from Willow. No. Or definitely not from Giles and, and definitely obviously not from Anya or Faith. Yeah. So Xander and Don would have been a perfect choice to do it. And having Don do it, I think, was the absolute right choice because they're quote-unquote sisters. Right. Well, And a sister telling you to leave is pretty powerful. Let me ask you this. Was it just me, or did you want to hit Kennedy over the head with a chair? Um, I think it was just you. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I realize she's a very, I just, she's a very abrasive character, yeah. and I get that. However, I don't mind it, because that's just her character trait, and if you just go with it, it makes sense. Um, and again, she... She sees that they almost got killed. She watched a couple of her friends die in that last battle. She doesn't want to go back yet until they're ready. And none of them feel like they're ready for this, no matter what Buffy says. And because of that, you know, and plus she's got a very powerful Wiccan girlfriend. So I I get that she's abrasive towards us. And and I get that she's annoying at times. And I understand that. But I didn't want to hit her with a chair. <laughs> I think the thing that I'm abrased by her is the fact that she's the way she is because she doesn't know any of the history of this. And I, of course, as a loyal viewer, know it. And I'm like, you don't really have a place at this table. Like, everybody else that's making complaints, I'm not going to lie. Giles, Xander, uh, even Anya, Willow, making valid points the whole way. Sure. Okay? I'm, I'm down with that. But 
I think it's just the fact that the potentials seem to have had, I don't know, maybe too much of a voice to me. And again, I'm probably reading a lot more into it than I should, but it's just how I felt about it. And a lot of my dislike of the potentials from previous memory before watching it again for these episodes, Brian, I now realize is mostly centered on Kennedy, that I just don't like her. And I don't like the, yeah. the character. I don't like the characterization. And I just never bonded to her. And so that that's why I probably just didn't like it very much. So I, I admit it was yeah. just me wanting Makes to deliver the, t- the chair shots to her. So that's fine. So but then, a, you know, a final, <laughs> a, a final moment there on the old uh, porch uh, with Faith. And I love. Oh, very powerful scene I, as well. I love what Buffy says to her. Because in saying those things, it proves that Buffy does understand what it takes to be a, a true leader, even if she is not always right. And she, you know, mm-hmm. could have used a, a moment of pause there. I thought that was, you know, whether you want them or not, they're yours. Their lives are in your hands. And I thought, wow, that's, uh, that was pretty dark, pretty dark. Well, it was a powerful, powerful scene because she's not upset at faith. But she shows that she cares deeply for each and every one of their lives. Because, let's face it, a lot of them don't believe that she cares about them as much. Right. That they're just a pawn in the game and she doesn't look at them as someone she needs to protect, per se. And this proves that she has those feelings and she looks at them as, I don't know, um, children or, or people she needs to look after. And she cares deeply about them. And to tell Faith, you know... I'm not mad at you. It's not your fault, Mm -hmm. but you need to protect them because they're in your hands and, and you need to now be responsible. I thought it was very powerful and a very cool way to, to do it. And a great way to end the episode too. Left me wondering. We do need, we do need to talk real quickly about one little bit of information that will come to play in this next couple episodes too. Uh, due to the mass exodus, school is officially closed. Right. So there's no school going on, and I think in the next episode we'll uh, – or Buffy was already fired, I believe, Yeah, Buffy's right? already been fired. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we we do have school out. Uh, I, we could have taken the hint last time when Buffy got fired from her job, and really they, you know, they kind of torched up the school a little bit with the – Yeah, with the whole <laughs> – With the fighting yeah. and, well, and whatnot. I'll, I'll say this about all that. The thing that struck me was that they had – we had Clem, the goofy cat-eating poker player, yeah. Spikes – deliver the exposition that why is everybody leaving now after all that they've been through or whatever is that there just seems to be it's worse this time like it's just time to go like enough is enough and i'm like man sunnydale is bailing out finally after all this time this is finally what it took for everybody to go but that's it does too it's convenient for one because they've got to desert the town because they uh, it's pretty clear to me now that like whatever goes down is going to be you know nuclear level so you don't want to have to explain what happened to all the you know there's a meme running around the internet now of like all the damage superman and zod caused at the end of man of steel and how many people (laughs) died and what it cost now so you know they don't what about all the independent contractors on the exactly they don't want to have to have that conversation (laughs) made famous by clerks so in good uh gen x way they'd figured out a way for everybody just to bail and just be done and so i i was okay with that i thought that was fun but it, it does bring up an interesting point like you say, school is now out, and so that's going to put some other things in play that maybe weren't there before. So, very interesting point. Brian, we're at the part of the podcast where it's time to give our dustings rating for the episode. So, what is your dustings rating for episode nineteen? Empty places. 
I'm giving this a four dustings. It was a very powerful episode full of a lot of emotion. There's some good info that we get out of this and it really leaves you wondering what's next for Buffy because she's leaving the group at the end of this episode. So a very powerful episode to come towards the end of this season. I'm giving it a four. I'm going to join you. I think it's an absolutely four uh, dustings episode. Fantastic. Uh, Tons, tons of stuff goes on here. Great moments by a lot of different characters that we love. I enjoyed it quite a bit too. So I'm, I'm going with it uh, with you. Four dustings, real strong episode, and I'm curious to see three episodes to go. You know, what are they going to come up with? What are they going to do to top this? We'll have to find out. Folks, thanks for joining us on this latest episode of The Art of Slaying. You can find more episodes on our website, theartofslaying.com. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed there and hook up with us on our social media, Twitter and Facebook page. Let us know what you think of our comments of the show and just what you think about different episodes and stuff. We love interacting with you guys. Until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Oh,